Hi everyone, I'm John Offord, I'm a broadcaster based in the UK and welcome to Different Minds, a podcast series that looks at neurodiversity, the different ways our brains can work and interpret information. Today we're going to talk about aphasia. I'm delighted to be joined by Sarah Bethany Scott from the UK along with her mum, Joni Scott. Sarah featured in the second series of The Undateables, which is a TV programme in the UK on Channel 4. Uh, and Sarah has aphasia. Sarah, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. Thank you. So tell us about, obviously we're living in extraordinary times. Tell us about how your year has been so far. It's been a strange year this year. Um, I'm all right. It's been difficult because obviously I've been at home a lot of the time, but I've got my partner. Um, so um, it's been strange not seeing my friends and family so much. and. Um, but I'm I'm coping well. Brilliant. Have you learned anything about yourself in particular during lockdown, Sarah? Um, I feel like um, because of my aphasia, I'm not very good at phoning people up or contacting my friends and family. But um, because of this COVID at the moment, um, and I don't see them face to face, I'm actually talking them on um, Facebook or Twitter or um, messaging them more. So it's kind of good for me actually and I'm actually maybe talking to them more at the moment so yeah it's good brilliant and at this point I just want to say hello to to your mum Joni how are you doing today hi I'm good thanks good good just thought I'd uh, bring you into the conversation as well so Sarah just tell us a bit more about yourself so what do you do for a living so I've been really lucky that I'm actually um working full-time um after my stroke because um because straight after my stroke um I wanted to go to uni but um because of my difficulty with reading and writing I couldn't um so my path was different um I did some um not uh jobs but um volunteering um at the time and build up some work and then I'm actually um actually working um with (laughs) this is where yeah yeah so I'm um actually like working with people that have cancer and actually um actually um producing producing um a product to help people that have cancer and to hopefully treat them um so that's my job Fantastic. So perhaps the first question then is, if you can tell us, Sarah, what what is aphasia? So aphasia is a part, uh, if you have aphasia, you've got a part in in your brain that is affected um, near to the left left side of the brain near to your um, ear. Um, And... Yeah. So it affects your communication ability to communicate. What causes aphasia then? So it's more likely it's if you have a stroke, which that's what I had, um, but it could be a brain injury or if a person is op- an operation and it's to do with the brain that sometimes people have aphasia after that. So 
So you've already touched on this, but what are the main symptoms then of aphasia? So um, you could have difficulty with reading and writing or your speech or numbers. Um, I have everything, but some people have just one, so they can't talk or they can't read or write. Um, it just depends about the part that is affected in your brain. What is it like for you, your day-to-day, you're living with a condition and you know what, what some of the, the challenges are? It's been really difficult, um, just day-to-life, um, things like um, reading a menu, um, training people, um, just everything. And it's really hard to go out and live your life and talk to people, like strangers as well. It's people are very anxious um it's been really really difficult and um and obviously some people that have aphasia alone um and it's very isolated so um yeah yeah sarah Um, couldn't speak at all after her stroke she could only say yes and no so um she's come a long way really wow that's amazing. And so is aphasia something that you can treat then? So um, I have done speech therapy for a long time, years, which I was very lucky. Um, normally in the UK, it's uh, six months? Six weeks. Um, so it's not a long time. Um, and obviously the best thing is to do practicing as much as you can and Obviously, speech therapy is better than doing it yourself. So, um, which is a shame with, you know, people want to do speech therapy more that that there's not enough people to um, help them. So, um, it's it's very important to do as much as you can. But you can still, if you do still do practice alone, you can still, you know. Um, but also, so at the moment, I'm not doing speech therapy anymore but I have apps that really help so when I'm actually working or just messaging my friends I've got apps that because obviously my speech is better than reading and writing so I just uh talk to myself with my my um, phone and it um it converts uh, yeah so that's really helpful for me that's really good to hear. I understand there are several different types of aphasia uh, which affect people in different ways. Is is that is that correct? And could you tell me about one or two of the other types? My mum would be better. <laughs> to... uh, so we're not experts except in the sort of experience that we've had with aphasia over the last 10 years or so. But um, we do run a stroke support group as well. So we meet a lot of people with aphasia. And basically there are three different types. There's Broca's aphasia, which Sarah has. And Broca was, a, I guess, a, the person that most uh, that discovered it when he did studies of the brain. And that affects your ability to um, express yourself. So Sarah has all the words in her head, um, but she finds it hard to communicate them. Um, and then there's uh, Wernicke's aphasia, which is a really strange sort of condition where you think you're speaking the right words, but they're coming out as jargon and not proper words. So it's quite an unusual type of aphasia, but um, that's called Wernicke's aphasia. And then there's primary progressive aphasia, which is a type of dementia, whereas people with Broca's aphasia tend to improve over the years if they work on their speech. Unfortunately, people with primary progressive aphasia will deteriorate. So it's um, a type of dementia where um, you probably, well, you won't recover from it, unfortunately. So you lose your speech over a number of years. Um, 
So yeah, different type of aphasia, but it's all to do with communication. And and, and what's the difference between aphasia and, and dysphasia? And well, technically, I think aphasia means you lose all your speech and dysphasia means that partial loss of speech. But aphasia is the term that most people use now to describe people with various conditions. So um, it's generally used. You do sometimes hear people using the word dysphasia, but normally people are described as aphasic. I see. And I just wondered if you could tell us about what we could do to raise more awareness of the condition. Well, I've tried to um, do raising awareness as much as I can. Um, I do a YouTube channel. Um, YouTube? Yeah. And, um, but I've done also lots of uh, interviews and things like that. Obviously, it's difficult when people have aphasia because obviously normally people their speech is affected so it's really difficult and people don't understand and sometimes people don't want to talk about it but um I remember when I had my stroke and I couldn't really say anything um I feel like if there was a person that could help me and to raise awareness it would help me so that's why I kind of helped And about um, one in three people who have a stroke have aphasia. So there's quite a few, you know, hundreds of thousands of people really in the country with aphasia. But because it's so invisible, people aren't aware of it. And all people could have a a stroke, even babies. I think people always say, you know, oh, no, maybe people that have strokes. But I think people don't realise younger people could have it as well. It's important. Yeah, absolutely. Do you ever see it portrayed in the media also? A lot of people think that because of my speech that I'm dumb or stupid or or I'm drunk um, a lot of the time. So if I go out and and drink and stuff like that, I'm always very anxious to speak to people that I don't know um, because maybe people would think that I had some, you know, just drinking too much not because I have aphasia I've got actually a card now and it says that I have aphasia and I have difficulty with my speech so um it's always there just in case but um I I think just people don't understand what aphasia is and I know it's difficult but um yeah it would be very useful and people would be not scared to go out if people realized what it was and sometimes when you see people with aphasia or a stroke. I think there was a character in EastEnders who had aphasia and they recovered after just a few weeks and that is unrealistic. I think it can take years and years for people to recover their speech if at all. So it would be really nice to have some sort of um, mainstream coverage of people with aphasia. You, you Sarah, you featured on the uh, the second series of Undateables, which is a, a TV programme in the UK on, on Channel 4. Just tell us a bit about that experience. It was interesting. Um, I obviously I was single at the time but um it was more raising awareness to anything because I know that younger people watch the program um so actually the people um were really nice they had cameras but they were not big cameras they were really friendly and obviously they didn't know what a phase it was but they understand uh completely because I said this is the difficulty sometimes some days are are bad than others um so maybe this day I'm not going to be very good to talk to you but I'll, I'll try as much as I can um they were really good and um yeah it was a good experience and 
also having a stroke, you know, I didn't really, I, I tried to do as much as I can going out and doing different things. So it was um, a good experience for me. And good, good to hear. What would you say to anyone out, out there that um, perhaps has a similar condition and is struggling and, and looking for support? I think there's lots of support out there. I think when I had my stroke, I felt like I was alone, which is not the case. There's lots of people that have aphasia out there. It's just hard to find them. Um, there's lots of groups actually in real life, obviously at the moment because of the COVID, maybe not, but um, there's lots of um, Facebook groups. There's lots of different ones. And, you know, I went to lots of different groups. They were not as good. So we actually set up a group so you can do that as well. Um, always you know talk to people don't be think that you're alone because you're not and um it's a long uh it's a long journey I can't say it journey journey. but um I I feel very happy um so don't feel like you're yeah you still get a lot of enjoyment out of life it's not the end of your life having a stroke and it's more it's difficult but um Absolutely, that's really good to hear. And are there any particular websites that you might recommend for in terms of resources, useful resources? I think there's um, there's actually a worldwide one called Aphasia Recovery Connection, which also has a very good Facebook group and different strokes as well. Um, they're for sort of younger stroke survivors and there's lots of people there. And of course, the Stroke Association. My podcast series is about neurodiversity. I guess neurodiversity is an approach to to learning and disability that argues diverse neurological conditions are a result of normal variations in the, the human condition. What, what are your thoughts around kind of neurodiversity and, 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 the, and the fact that we are, we're, we're basically, you know, leading towards a society where we're celebrating everyone's differences and, and trying to understand that everyone's brain works differently and actually that that's okay. Yeah, I think that we all make judgments about people and quite often you're completely wrong. Um, Like people think that Sarah's shy and in fact she's not shy at all but because of her lack of communication skills sometimes it comes across like that. So I think people need to just give each other a bit more time and just be a bit more tolerant and I think maybe COVID is sort of encouraged that a little bit which is a good thing but um, we've learned a lot since Sarah had a stroke that you've got to be a lot more accepting of people and a lot more tolerant. And in some ways you say that it wasn't necessarily a bad thing that happened to you. Yeah. I I always think that I've got lots of friends that have aphasia now. I have more friends now than I had before my stroke. And, And obviously I think I'm actually more understanding of people now because I understand that it's difficult and that some people, um, you know, not because the people that have aphasia, but other people, I I understand that maybe people need to wait for longer and instead of just like, you know, talk, talk, talk all the time, you just need to um, wait and listen. Yeah, <laughs> listen. And that's more important. And obviously my speech is affected, but because you have aphasia, you listen more because... Um, that's what you can do so um yeah that makes total sense and obviously listening is a powerful thing isn't it and uh, there's so much power to to, to 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 simply just listening and what's the best advice that someone ever gave you actually it's 
I was not in the room, but my mum was talking to me about it. And um, I, I was still in the hospital at the time. And one of the nurses, I think, would talk to my mum about um, it's difficult when you have aphasia and some of your friends will not be there anymore. Um, but the friends that you're going to have later on that didn't know me before will just think this is Sarah and it was the, a powerful thing to say and I think at the time my mum was just upset that she said that but it is true because I've got some friends that are still there before my stroke but some people have gone and they're not really my friends anymore but also there's people that they didn't know me before and they just think this is Sarah this is what I and you are a different person in many ways aren't you now yeah but they just think this is Sarah and it's true I I've changed um but I'm still Sarah yeah and a lot of people gave us advice not to give up hope because there's no plateau a lot of people older you know, pe- medical people will talk about a plateau and say you can only recover like a year after a stroke or something. But we've been running our stroke group for over 10 years and we've seen people progress more in that time. So I think that's old-fashioned thinking, so it's really important to know that. E- even doctors have said that, yeah. which is wrong, because we know that's I think if you live correct. with it, you sometimes know more than the professionals. <laughs> yeah, no. yeah, I can, can relate to, to what you're saying there. Well, what's the future look like for you, Sarah? Well, I'm actually engaged at the moment. Um, Congratulations. Thank you. Um, so hopefully um, doing the wedding sometime when um, we can actually book the, <laughs> the place at the moment. So, um, but it's a, you know, a, yeah, a good life. Well, lovely to hear that. And it's been such a pleasure speaking to you both. And Sarah, especially despite your humility, you obviously you've been a, through an extraordinary amount over the years. And to hear the great work that you're doing, my view is inspirational. And just keep up the, 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 the good work in, in raising awareness of, of, of the condition. And yeah, pleasure to, to speak to you both today. Thank you. Thank you.